Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. It's uh, just kind of settling into the summer, enjoying it. Summertime. Summer's going to be over soon. Got to enjoy it. Get out there. Summertime. Already doing doing some canoeing up in Tamagami. Yes. I saw that. Yeah, you did. And you got to go and do yard work. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Sucker. uh, Siobhan was away for the weekend. Her and her university friends went to Chicago. Oh. I'm not sure why Chicago. Because there's pizza there. Deep dish. (laughs) Chicago style pizza. So yeah, so they they had they they had a long weekend in Chicago, and uh, and yeah, so I was home with the kids. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, no, I uh, head up to Tamagami. As uh, somebody said, uh, my wife is working, and I need a travel buddy. Uh, what are you doing? So I said, going to Tamagami. Apparently, <laughs> um, I don't know Mike McHugh. Do you know you know Mike? Yes, he's yes, uh, yeah. from Friends at Tamagami, yes. right? So he goes up to Alex Matthias's place, and uh, so we were, yeah we were going up there, and he said, "Come on up, we'll take the canoe and relax." Mm-hmm. There's a couple of trails we can walk and chat with people. There was there was more people up there as well. So yeah. it was Alex's birthday weekend, yeah. so I guess every year they go up for his birthday and and whatnot. So any excuse to get out of the city and get up to <laughs> Tomogamy, right? Yeah. So yeah, I jumped on that bandwagon there. Uh, there was a, about a 45 minute slow down south of Barrie because of a car accident oh. going up and there was a good hour delay on a south of Barrie coming home because of a car accident. <laughs> <sighs> That's so annoying. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we went up and it rained on. We got up. We got up uh, pretty late there. The sun was just going down and everything. Uh, it rained Saturday for all afternoon. Windy, on and off all weekend. The wind. Oh yeah, yeah. But the rain there was supposed to be. You know, um, they said it's going to rain Saturday. So we're like, okay, one day of rain isn't bad. And that's all we had was just the the few hours of rain. So yeah, uh, we did got to uh, sit around the fire and chit chat and have a couple of beverages and. You know, meeting, talking people, talking outdoors. We went and hiked a trail, explored some old sites that oh, were yeah. there because there's a lot, there were some old cabins and stuff that oh, okay. have been there forever, yeah. right? Well, that'd be interesting. And some old buried dumps that they're sort of excavating now, oh. and they're finding old bottles yeah. and metal and cans. Who's doing and the excavating? I think that would be Alex's son-in-law. Yeah? Yeah. That would be so interesting what you'd find in something like that. Yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, Ontario Science Center? They have a they have a display. And it really, what is it is, is uh, it's a lesson learned because uh, what they did is they took a core sample from a, uh, a uh, you know, a landfill. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they just bored down right through it and pulled stuff out. And they found that, surprisingly, stuff does... Stuff gets very well preserved because the oxygen gets used up really quick. So there was like, you know, newsprint from the 1940s and, and tires from the 1930s and stuff like that, right? Yeah, it doesn't so. take long for a landfill to go uh, from garbage dump to time capsule. I know, it? right? right? Yeah. So they had a couple samples there. So it, I always thought, oh, this would be interesting to be able to, like some of these older sites back in, in, in the parks and stuff like that. So I remember on the Minas Link, we uh, we came through an old, uh, we didn't have time to stop and really look around because we we're trying to make up make up time. But uh, we passed through one of those prisoner war camps. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. we stumbled through and it's like, oh, this is what I heard about. I don't have time to stop. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been in a couple of those and there's like old bed frames. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they say, there's a, well, that's what they say, there's the, the, the garbage dump. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of old cans and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? But uh, yeah, they they have that there, and there's some old bottles and stuff they're cleaning up, and just to see what's yeah. what's there. There's a lot of the bottles there that are in pretty good condition, but mm-hmm. there's nothing on them, so you don't yeah. know what they were for, yeah, right. And um, some old cabin, you know, you see the, where the foundations were yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And that's still pretty cool to see all that sort of stuff. It is very neat. Yeah, uh, spent time around the fire, like I say, and the friends of Tomogamy were there. Because they were getting ready to head out on a spring maintenance trip. 
So they're going up and down portages in a certain area, mm-hmm. making sure they're clear and, you know, fallen trees and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And installing new thunder boxes. Nice. Yeah. So they got a couple people, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight people going along doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, um, people, Join friends at Tomogamy and they have these sort of these trips and other things that you can volunteer your time to. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of these people say, yeah, you know what? I got a, a week. Let's tell me where to meet and what mm-hmm. to bring and yeah. I'll come out and I'll help you do this sort of stuff. If you're interested in, uh, you know, you can contact the friends at Tomogamy, their website and stuff like that and send them an email saying, hey, you know, I'd like to volunteer and all that sort of thing if you're interested. I uh, did some fishing, went out on the Saturday just before it started raining and it was windy and being so light in my boat, Oh, there's a spot where, you know, you, you can catch fish, mm-hmm. but the wind just blows you right past. So you get a couple of casts, then you <laughs> and then you paddle done. all the way yeah. back and then you get a couple of casts and you paddle all the way back. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so did man. you catch anything? Did you do any catching? Uh, the first day? No. But I was one of the guys there, Dan. He caught four. Oh yeah, yeah. I just told him I was being nice and letting him catch them. <laughs> there you Wanted go. Want to make him yeah. feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fish were following my lure, and I'm like, no, no, go see Dan over there. <laughs> and apparently that worked, and you know, uh, yeah, he got. It was funny. He made a comment because we were joking about it, right? Because mm-hmm. I was throwing the exact same things he was, and all that, and it just wasn't nothing. Yeah, I think it was just because I was going so fast, right? Okay. Um, and then he, he made a comment this Sunday morning. Yeah. Cause he left Sunday. He, he left to go mm-hmm. meet his brother, Zach. Uh, and then they were meeting up with the group on the, on the Monday, but he made a comment. <laughs> I, I blew it way out of what he meant, like way out of the way. Oh. But it's not what he meant at all. And I knew it, but it's just joking around, but he made something about, yeah, I, I was yelling the car and I'm like, Oh, that's how it's going to be, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I understand. You're going to play me like that, are you? <laughs> I'm just like, you know, this is like one of those evil origins, right? <laughs> evil origin stories. <laughs> so we got a good laugh out of that. But then, yeah, he left there and I went and did some more fishing. Got a few uh, few nibbles, lost a couple. And then Monday morning before leaving, everybody was, you know, most people were still asleep or yeah. just starting to move and jumped up and uh, got my canoe, went out. It was nice. It was, it was fairly calm there. So yeah. I got more than one cast per pass. <laughs> uh, got a couple of uh, nibbles and then launched it, latched into a 19 inch uh, lake trout. Nice. Yeah. Got it into the boat and said his name was George. And I said, ah, oh, nice to see you, George. I'll see you next time. And I threw him back in. Yeah, right on. He waved and went on his merry way. <laughs> went a little thin wave. Yeah. See you, John. Off he went. <laughs> Wonder if he'll remember you next time you're up. Well, probably. <laughs> I'll probably get attacked by him and his buddies. <laughs> That's the guy. He hooked me. <laughs> <laughs> Good fight, though. He followed my lure almost right to oh, yeah? the, the canoe. Yeah. And then he grabbed it and whoom, straight down. I was like, Bleh! I'm like, oh, I better adjust my drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I was going to keep him and take him back for a breakfast. But then mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, you know what? Look at the time and stuff like that. I know we're going to be getting ready to go because it's like a seven, eight hour drive back yeah. on a good day. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll just throw him back. And did a couple more casts, didn't catch anything and uh, headed back in. It was nice. I guess it's just nice to get out on the water. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Cleaned everything up, loaded everything up, and uh, off we went. We took a different route coming out. Um, like Mike wanted to show me a few things on the way out. A couple, there's a, some ca- some um, crown land sites that get filled up pretty fast. There, people drive in with their trailers yep. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we checked out a couple of those because, of course, everybody's gone by then. So we checked a couple of those things out, and there was a couple really nice sites. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you could go and spend a couple of weeks there and. Hmm. Not have any problems, and, and, and like I say, and on the water type thing, right on the water, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and then then uh, there was a road that we went down, which isn't the normal way out, but it takes you through an old burn because I guess 2018 there was four fire four yep. fires there. Okay, 
so it took us right through there and it was a, a nice drive out. We stopped at a couple of spots and you could see all the, the granite and rock and stuff. And you could see some of the smaller stuff was coming out. Oh, okay. Up and stuff like that. So, huh. uh, yeah, I mean, and, and going down the road at one point, the left hand side of the road was all this beautiful forest. The right hand side of the road was dead right to the edge of the road, like no. burnt. Yeah. So I guess the road acted like a fire, a fire break, break yeah. right? So um, it was nice to see that sort of stuff up there. So yeah, he took me on a little bit of tours, spots I never nice. never yeah. saw before. But if you go up there, you could do that. You could find a camping spot mm-hmm. and then throw your canoe on your truck or car or whatever and zip to all these different little yep. lakes with yeah, roadside yeah. Yeah. Um, access. Even coming out from, from Alex's place, there was a spot we stopped. And nice little, he said, yeah, there's a little lake there with a portage at the end that you can go into a couple other lakes sort of thing. But hmm. like even for a day trip, just park there, yeah. launch, do a day trip, come back, put your car, your canoe back on and then head back to Alex's or something, right? Yeah. If, you, if you're just, you know, staying on Obabaca or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's, yeah, all those sort of things and farther down all through the area, there's there's places that you could stay and there's, yeah. there's campgrounds that you can rent uh, spots and they have cabins and all that sort of stuff. There's a couple businesses yeah. there as well that, you know, um, organized campgrounds. I guess. I've tripped and camped through a lot of that area. It is neat to see some of the, like there's in hunting season, there's a, you see where they just pull up and they just park on the side of the road and, yeah. and set up their RV there for just for hunting. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot, because quite a few places that get you right down by the water and some of those back roads are, or they're pretty remote, but it's like, yeah, getting into Obabaca and stuff like that. It's pretty, it's a nice area. Well, there was one site he showed me and he says, usually there's a big log strap between two trees. So hang your moose when you, oh, got right. It. Yep. After a, a during hunting season, that sort of thing. Driving in, we're chit chatting. I'm like, what is that? Oh, slam on the brakes because there's a moose boat across the road (laughs) big nice big moose across the road uh coming down the dirt roads towards alex's place there's a black bear walking across the road wow um a couple of ducks in the middle of the road in a puddle uh grouse in the middle of the road or a partridge i guess well you saw a lot of wildlife right uh so (laughs) you lose cell phone reception yes yeah so I thought I still had, it said, it, should, it said I still had one bar, mm-hmm. which up there means nothing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I texted, moose in the middle of the road, send to Tracy, right? Bear in the middle of the road, didn't didn't get any pictures of the moose. Bear in the middle of the road, Mike got a picture. Ooh, two ducks in the middle of the road. <laughs> Partridge in the middle of the road. There was something else too. And then... That night, we we stayed in the ca- a cabin that night because it was so late yeah. that we didn't, you know, we would have had to try to set up by headlamp, our tents and all yeah. that sort of. So we just said, no, I'd just stay in the cabin for the night. And in the one corner of my mattress, I just put the phone there for a minute. And all of a sudden I got cell phone service. <laughs> and then, oh, that's odd. So I always keep my phone nearby, I plug it in, you know, mm-hmm. keep it there. Um, so I, middle of the night, I can check the time sort of thing. 2.30 in the morning. Oh. What the heck? <laughs> Apparently, it sent all my texts at 2.30 in the morning. So at 2.30 in the morning, Tracy's, you know, here. And she's all of a sudden, my phone. Booting, 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 booting. <laughs> all these messages start coming through. There's a bear in the middle of the road. There's the moose in the middle of the road. There's two ducks in the middle of the road. And uh, very good information for you at two in the morning, right? And then I get this email back, or this, this text back. Cool. <laughs> at two thirty in the morning, yeah. I'm just like, what? Cool. What do you? What? Then he really, yeah. Then I realized what had happened. All these messages yeah. went through at once. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Ernie. My bad. Oh, uh, so yeah, it was it was a good weekend. Though, like I say, I did some some paddling. I took my dry suit up so I could uh, see what it's like paddling and fishing and whatnot. In okay, that. And, yeah. Like I say, you, you dress for the weather for mm-hmm. the the water, not the yeah. weather, right? And uh, yeah, I got um, into that. It was warm, dry. 
could walk out into the mm-hmm. to the lake to launch my boat. Were there any patches of snow left over? Oh no, no, I it saw was all melted. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Now somebody told me, and I don't, I never had time to check it out. Uh, apparently, they got some snow at Mew Lake this weekend in Algonquin. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I got to think it was hmm. just a sprinkling or something, or a few flakes or something. We had. Well, it's been cold. Like there's a couple nights. It was uh, last week. It was below zero a couple nights. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was supposed to go down to like minus one or something. Mm-hmm. Up in Tomogamy, but I don't think it got quite that cold. Yeah, it was. It, we were we were fairly warm all weekend. Uh, and the only thing we had was being damp. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that that's actually. I think sometimes like the dampness is worse than the cold because oh, it gets absolutely. right in your bones, yeah. right? Yeah, and then you're sitting in a warm area, like right by that fire, and then you get up, and all <laughs> that. Oh man, then you get that chill through you. Yeah, and wrong. then you walk away from the fire, and all of a sudden the cold damp hits you. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, <laughs> that's horrible. That's, yeah, and that's when you get into your sleeping bag and just right up and it's, yeah. Tight as possible, so nothing gets down in, in between your uh, into the sleeping bag there. But no, it was it was nice to get up there and and um, yes. have yeah. some nice. You say it started, you know the the canoe tripping season mm-hmm. has started. It's beautiful up there. I yeah. love that area. Yeah, I didn't take uh, Athena, and actually, I was asked where where's Athena. I can maybe bring the dog. Uh, I knew there was going to be a bunch of other dogs up there. Oh, okay. So for her first thingy like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe a solo trip and yeah, I'll bring her uh, another time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm doing a, a couple days solo. I think in July up that way, and I'm gonna yeah. make sure she comes with me. So, yeah. Other than that, excellent. That was my weekend. Sounds fantastic. It was fun. So you're up on Friday, back on Monday. Up on Friday. Yeah, I left work a bit early on Friday, mm-hmm. and and back on Monday. Now I told a few of my clients, this I'm leaving early on Friday. And a bunch of them said, oh, yeah, Sean's gone on Friday. Yeah. Well, okie dokie. So I should be telling them that from now on. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be leaving early Friday. And then all of a sudden they hammer me with everything Thursday. Yeah. Which means I can finish it on Friday morning. Yeah. And then I'm out <laughs> I'm out at noon, like I said I was going to be. Yeah. Not getting these, like, five to noon. <gasps> oh, I forgot you're leaving today. Can you get this for me yeah, last yeah, yeah. second? And I'm yeah. like. Yeah, let me not look into that for you. <laughs> ah, see you Monday or Tuesday. I'll talk to you Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so, all good. Uh, Cyril Deramo. Ah, yes. Apparently, he's made a announcement because uh, he did the California to Hawaii last year. Yeah. So to refresh everybody's memory, we did uh, interview him, and we talked to him about his. Uh, San Francisco, he left, I believe he left from? To, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, um, to Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. So this just came out from him, a little announcement. Following my 91-day expedition from California to Hawaii last year, I'm happy to announce my intentions to cross the Atlantic east to west in 2024 once again in a solo unsupported and 100% human powered kayak the idea is to cross from the Canary Islands to Guadalupe which is uh, you said that's by Dominican and all that right Uh, the Caribbean islands Dominica oh Dominica uh, so this will be another exploration demonstration of human potential, pushing again my physical and mental limits and sharing my thoughts and learnings along the way. So that's his plan. And then he goes on just to put a little thing here. This will only happen if partners and sponsors decide to join the adventure and to support me in joining the puzzle pieces of this complex expedition. There is no... There is so much added value for your company and your employees at so many different levels. Just contact me. Let's talk. If you want to participate in this endeavor one way or the other, please reach out to Cyril at CyrilDeramo.com. Uh, Very yeah. cool. So mm-hmm. have to follow up on see how he does with this one too. It's pretty yeah. cool to watch and follow yes. on the stuff. So, you know, the, especially since he's doing, he does the little blog posts yep. every day. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to see what, what happens on his trips. Mm-hmm. And these things aren't cheap. And if mm-hmm. you're doing something like this, you're not working. So it uh, makes sense that he's looking for sponsorships or partners and, and so on. Yeah. And he's sprucing up Valentine. He's going to take her again. Yeah. He's taking Valentine again. And uh, he says, yeah, he's just going to, you know, 
make some upgrades and you know little changes to it and uh, it'll be good to go so but awesome. i mean that's a huge cost alone yes. if he had to get that from scratch mm-hmm. right so there so he's already ahead he's of the game so, yeah right he's got now. some savings he just has to upgrade it 4787 kilometers approximately mm-hmm. 2975 miles that's quite the distance right what was his his hawaii trip was 22300 did he say how? I can't remember. How uh, I can't it remember was. exactly what that. But it was yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, miles. Yeah, it was yeah. twenty-two, twenty-three miles. Miles, yeah, miles. So yeah, well, hopefully it, uh, hopefully it happens for him. Mm-hmm. He enjoys doing it. Yeah, right. We enjoy listening to it. So, um, when I was up, uh, in Tomogamy, do you ever just keep fixing a broken piece of gear because? It just does what you need it to perfectly, or you can't find a replacement. I've got a few pieces like that, yeah. It's like, I got one bag that I use for my clothes when I go up, mm-hmm. and I've been using this thing forever. It's like a uh, a type of compression sack, yeah. right? So I put my clothes in there, and close the lid, and I can squeeze it down a little bit so it gets a little bit smaller. There's four little straps on the side. It got a tear in one of the seams, so I sewed it. Got a tear in another seam, so I sewed it. Got a tear <laughs> in another seam, so I sewed it. And this weekend I noticed there's a tear in another seam. <laughs> I'm just going to sew it. I don't know if it's because I like the bag yeah. because it lasts so long with fixes or I'm just a cheapo. <laughs> <laughs> Stubborn. Not giving up. I got like right beside you, there's like seven other exactly almost the same bags. Just newer. <laughs> yeah. I could just take one of those at any given <laughs> But this is, I think it's because I know when I grab that bag, I know exactly what's in it. Yeah. Right? So I got like three or four bags that look all the same. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what's, oh, no, that's that's food. This is my kitchen set. Yeah. This is, oh, those are my clothes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this thing, I think it's because this thing's just been so long. But I just gave me the thought, like, yeah, do you got stuff in in something that you always... That I, you'll never throw out sort of thing. I usually use things until they die. Like like I've got some, back in the day, uh, the waterproof packs or the waterproof bags that you'd pack your clothes in to keep them dry, they always had this like painted on lining mm-hmm. that given enough time, it would just start to peel off. Yeah. And turn to yeah, dust. Yeah. And so, yeah, when it starts doing that, it's like, okay, it was time to go because I'm, I'm pulling clothes out. It's got white dust all over the clothes. And so the liner's breaking down or it's peeling off and- I used to have a mech day pack and I can't remember something spilled or it was a fuel bottle or something. It reeked. So I had to throw it in the wash and whatever that coating was in the wash started coming up. And then every time you'd, it was like, it was almost like a brittle wax was peeling off and eventually I had to dump that and get a new one. Mm -hmm. But even my big yellow pack, which is right on this side of you down there, the big sea line, yeah, yeah. 115 liter, mm-hmm. I've been using that forever. Yeah. So I've got, and it's got yeah. a big chunk of black duct tape on it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm frugal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it works. It does everything I need. Yeah. I, it's got a little bit of hole. I just put a piece of duct tape on it and voila, no more hole. <laughs> So and they're expensive too, right? That allows yeah. me to buy other things. Well, if you have a pack or some piece of kit that you've had for a long time, it becomes sentimental, right? It's like you've had it for so long; it's like it means something more because you've done a lot of miles. The yeah. only thing I don't, I never really get a chance to get attached to like uh, fishing rods because I break so many of them. <laughs> oh, I I <laughs> they never last to get attached to my fishing lures <laughs> because yeah. I did catch some real real estate on the weekend. I've got a I've got a few fishing lures that are my favorites, and I I've had them for years. And it's like yep. I, sometimes I don't want to use them because it's like, well, I'm going to lose it, right? Like, so why well, do I carry it if I'm not going to use it? I've had this one since <laughs> I was a teenager. It's always in my thing, but it, I've never caught anything on it. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just going to throw it overboard and be done with it because I'll probably lose it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just one. Like I say, just that thought that uh, maybe it's time to. No, I'm not going to give it away. Yeah. I'm not going to throw it out because it's just a matter of sewing a hole yep. on one of the seams because mm-hmm. I put too many pairs of underwear in there or something, <laughs> yes, yes. whatever it was, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just, like I say, it just 
a thought that occurred yeah. to me is, you know, do you, do you just keep fixing it or do you just, are you one of those people who just say, oh, I'm just turf this out and buy a new one? It usually has to break or, or like it's, it, you know, it's last gasp and it's like, finally I'll toss it or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much me too. If, if, you know, it's like that pair of socks. Well, it's just got a little hole in it. Yeah. Okay. Like four of your five holes or toes are sticking yeah. out. <laughs> uh, you look, I got a pair of camping shoes I use for mm-hmm. camping and stuff like that. Yeah. I was walking. Uh, I was wearing them yesterday coming home and I stopped at one of the en route stations for a, for a pee break and yeah. a coffee and there are no soles. Uh-huh. So I'm like sliding on this tile floor <laughs> and you're hearing this, it's like whoosh, 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 as I'm walking because there's no, no soles left. It's like walking on ice. <laughs> and I have these black ankle sock things on, yeah. right? In black sneakers. Mm-hmm. And there's a hole and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's a massive hole that I can see my sock. That's not my shoe. That's not the black shoe I'm looking at. That's like the black sock underneath. I mean, it's a big chunk. Time is to retire. Gone. Not yet. <laughs> Got a few more trips in it. There's a few more trips. Maybe at the end of this year they'll they'll go out. Uh, probably not, but you never know. You never know. So. <laughs> Uh, this one here, we, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Chad Oliver sent us this one, uh, a massive snapping turtle has been the talk of the town and, uh, two nature enthusiasts who spotted the animal on the Chicago river say they're overwhelmed by the attention. So what started as a simple trip, uh, down the river in a kayak turned into a Chicago sensation. Yes. Joey Santori and Al Scorch have helped introduce close to a million viewers on Twitter to Chonkasaurus, the massive snapping turtle they spotted sunning itself near the Division Street Bridge on the north branch of the Chicago River. It says, I've been spitting cobras and I've petted gray whales. Sorry, I've seen spitting cobras and I've petted, petted? gray whale calves before, Santori says. Uh, but seeing a 60 pound snapping turtle on the Chicago river, that was pretty cool. Part of the fun of the viral video is hearing the friends and their Chicago accents reminiscent of the super fans featured on Saturday night live. The bears. <laughs> Remember that, that whole, yeah, 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 they used yeah. to do that, uh, exclaim in wonder at their discovery. They said that takes pride in educating. Yeah, Scorch says Centaur takes pride in educating people about nature in his own unique way. <laughs> you should hear the video. I've heard it. Um, that's why I'm going to post it, it on so popular. Oh, it's you know, and of course he says, "Well, you look at that eating turtle over there." <laughs> <laughs> With that, it's just like it's known, like hilarious, hilarious. But I mean, this thing was huge too, right? Uh, his rough demeanor rubbed some people the wrong way, but most people love it because that's not the way scientists are usually thought of as. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says he hopes that the popularity of their video leads to some good. If it gets more people into appreciating nature and the idea of nature in the city, he said. Wildlife experts um, speculated th- about Chonk's origin. One suggested the female tur- turtle is 40 to 50 years old and has survived in Chicago's improving ecological system. That's incredible. Also. Which is which is sort of their big thing on this mm-hmm. is the fact that we're seeing the turtle, like a 40, 50-year-old turtle yeah. surviving and thriving, mm-hmm. means the Chicago River is starting to improve. Yeah. And that's always been, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not been um an environmental habitat yes for animals for ages so yeah. it's there there's been a lot it's of recovering yeah there's been a, a lot of um work done to help it recover and this yeah. this just shows that their work is indeed yeah. and you know, junkosaurus is probably highly contaminated maybe radioactive eh, could be <laughs> he could be a mutant ninja turtle <laughs> uh, another wondered if the turtle was a pet that was released into the wild after years of being cared yeah, for. Could, that could be too. That could be it as well. But as you know, what if it's thriving, mm-hmm. it just shows that uh, you know the environment is improving, and 
the ecological nightmare is maybe not as much of a nightmare as it yeah. used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chonkosaurus, the turtle. Look at that there. Look at that. <laughs> the turtle. Look at the turtle. <laughs> that absolutely hilarious. Just like we're going to post that video on our yeah. our uh, our Facebook page, and uh, you can take a peek at that. It's, it's hilarious. What else do we got here? Oh, oh, I'm going to boop forward a couple here. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you sent me this one because we've talked about this when they first came out. The Oru kayaks. Yes. Right? Yeah. When those first came out, we talked about that going like, this is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. We had our questions about it. And, all that, like, eh, there's actually a couple of ladies here in Ajax that paddle them. Okay. Uh, when I was down there uh, taking Athena out for, to get her used to the canoe, they pulled up and boop, 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 yeah. unfolded and put together their Oru kayaks and off they went. I'd be interested to talk to somebody who's had an Oru kayak for multiple years. So I'm curious about the longevity of them because uh, on any of, of the material that it's made from, over time it would probably weaken. It's not going to be like Kevlar or fiberglass no. or whatever. So the the constant bending and unbending and folding and unfolding, and, you know, the, there's certain pressure points, so there's always a, a bit that's always going to, you know, you're going to land on a beach It's that that underside point is always going to be touching. So you, I would expect it to start to break down. So it's just, it's basically a plasticized cardboard. Yeah, coroplast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the folding part is an issue because if it's done the same way, I believe it's done the same way as this furniture. Mm-hmm. And they've done this furniture, they've folded and unfold or something like 20,000 times. Oh, okay. You know how they have that... The machine. The machine that tests bed springs yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. I, I guess they have the same sort of thing that does this. So they started with the kayaks. Now they've got an entirely new product line. And you're the one that, that tossed this my way. Mm-hmm. The Oru Targets Multipurpose Modular and Ultra Packable Camp Furniture. Yes. <laughs> A uh, pioneer in origami watercraft is taking its proper uh, paper plane plans and bringing them to land for the first time. At its heart, the Oru Camp Collection comprises a chair, table, and storage cube, though that doesn't quite tell the full story. Not only does the launch mark a new chapter of traditional camp and outdoor product design for Oru, but the products also target improved durability, versatility, and aesthetic appeal over competing brands in the space. The first items are the switch table, pop lounge chair, and flip cube storage box. Now, we looked at this and said we should talk about this so we could poke fun at it. (laughs) Yes. I gotta say... When I'm looking at all this, yeah, yeah, I won't be taking any of this stuff with me. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, it is neat to think that that people are creative enough to say, hey, you know what? Like it's lightweight. Yes. So let's just, but it still looks rather bulky. It looks bulky and like they say it's strong, but still, mm-hmm. like I don't know how many times you're going to sit on it that it's finally going to fold up and collapse, but. Uh, well, they, they are neat. The design, like I got pictures here. It, it's yeah. it's interesting. Well, yeah, I've looked I've looked at all of that there, and uh, because portable, collapsible camp chairs and tables already exist, you might wonder what Oru has to offer. Obviously, the origami approach lends a novel twist, but the brand claims this has also definite functional benefits. The origami folds claim increased durability over traditional folding hardware. What's more, Oru claims this design allows the camp collection to trim ounces while maintaining comparable strength. Uh, all of the camp products have been tested to 20,000 folds. Hmm. They claim every piece of the camp furniture collection carries a setup time of about 30 seconds. <laughs> Obviously, it's... Likely to catch a few extra glances from other campers and beachgoers. 
<laughs> they do look. They do. They're what? White and white and orange. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Now you know what though? Like you, if it shaves, you know, maybe a pound or two off of a chair. Yeah. But it's still bulky. It's still bulky. It's going to be a car camping yeah. chunk of furniture. I doubt you're going to take any of these into the backcountry. No. But, I mean, the chair I take in the backcountry is smaller than those. Yes. Right? It, yeah. it just takes a couple extra minutes to set it up. Um, the aptly named switch table can transform between high and low configurations. At full height, the table stands 29 and a half inches tall. But they can opt to set it up as a coffee table slash bench at 15 and a quarter inches high. They've designed this conversion so it requires only two folds. Has a flip open top to provide storage as well. And it retails for how much would you pay for it? Uh, not that much. <laughs> like a hundred bucks? <laughs> how about 229? Yeah. It's, it's, it is steep. It is very yeah. pricey. Their camp lounger presents a spin on the contemporary art deco icon, the Adirondack chair. But while traditional Adirondack chairs will set up, or will just take up a bunch of lawn space and leave you with a silver, leave oh with a sliver. Sorry, mm-hmm. the pop lounge is both stowable and provides a little gear storage. This costs. Rounding out the camp collection is the Flip Cube, the most multi-purpose of the line. Call it a storage bin, a stool, or an end table. The Flip Cube retails at $99. Now, these are American prices, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. So, I could get a table, a chair, and a... Tupperware tub <laughs> for a heck of a lot less yeah, yeah, than yeah, this, yeah. you know. But I mean, if you want to be fancy and you want to have something different and sure, fill your booties. Yeah. Now they this started as a Kickstarter, yes, up until June. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kickstarter and goal. I think the kayak started as a Kickstarter as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But the Kickstarter goal was twenty six thousand nine hundred and eighty three dollars. <laughs> And it's already at two hundred and twenty-seven thousand seven hundred, way beyond what they wanted. Absolutely, yeah. So they've already it's already live now. As of yeah. May eleventh, you can start ordering this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, com to see the new furniture. <laughs> it is interesting. I, look at I don't know that why I I I, quite, I don't know. It's a that, novelty. It is. It absolutely and that, is. It, it it's like buying those big pink flamingo mm-hmm. floaties. <laughs> it, oh, it's pretty cool yeah. to have, but yeah. realistically, and it kind of reminds me of like like you'd have like some <laughs> college furniture. <laughs> it reminds me of, of this is what the kids' table is going to be at the family barbecue. Yes, <laughs> right. This is what, no, no, kids. You guys go sit over here. Yeah. This is this is the kids' table. We'll take Uncle Derek with you too. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting. It's they're they're kind of cute, but uh, I don't know. I, you know, I definitely have a market for them. People are well. You know what? Honestly, if someone wanted to buy me one and throw it my way, please don't. <laughs> I'll take a kayak, but I don't need that furniture. It's it's shocking though to see the cost. Yeah, because there's and the amount of money they've raised on the Kickstarter. I know, already. I know. So when when I see price points like that, I'm thinking so they priced it high because they weren't expecting a lot of sales initially. So it's priced for a smaller market, and they're trying to get as much as they can. But if it gets really big, maybe they'll drop the prices. It's like, oh, we're, these things are selling like hotcakes. Right. Right? No, well, not that you if they're selling that well. Maybe if they didn't sell that well, they'd pro- drop the price. Yeah, I just... Mm-hmm. I, you know what? <laughs> Fill your boots. I, I don't see the need for it, but... And especially not at that price. Yeah. It's very expensive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can get a Helinox chair less than that. Yes, they're only 100 bucks. Right? Yeah, on sale. Yeah. Knockoffs are only like 50. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? Like, come on. Yeah. It, you know, it's a little niche 
funky thing that people go, oh, look what yeah. I got. And yeah, yeah. Set it up and use it a couple of times and go, no, this is just, just as bulky as the rest. And, yeah. yeah. I don't need this. Kind of reminds me of like some like Ikea furniture or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you want, if you want this little flip cube thingy that has a lid that you can put stuff in, go get yourself a Tupperware container. There you go. You're not spending a hundred bucks <laughs> on one of those blue bins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go to the Oru kayak site and you, they'll show you the, all the yeah, it's all these, there. The stuff there, and you can take a peek at it. And yeah, Pretty enjoy funny. if you buy it. <laughs> uh, another rafting wood rafting season oh, on yes. the yes. Va River in Slovakia has kicked off. Uh, though a number of wooden raft captains is on the decline. I looked at these wooden rafts. I came across this article there and just checking it out. And I don't know. You look at it to begin with. And, and I'm just thinking, I don't know that I would actually want to go on one of these. Um, no. Yeah. They just didn't look. Until you start looking into it and seeing more some videos and pictures and stuff like that. They just didn't look all that great. But it apparently it's got the the tradition of wood rafting declined after the advent of the advent of the railway transport, but uh, was restored in 1999 after 60 years. So it ha- it was a, you know fell into disuse for 60 years and then all of a sudden they started bringing it back. Rafting adventure near the settlement of Stretchno takes 50 minutes and 7 kilometers to complete. During the trip, rafters can observe several bridges, two castles, the Margita and Besna rocks, as well as entertaining stories told by the captains. So they throw people on this these rafts and you sail down. They got a pole that, you know, pushes you and stuff like that. And um, Yeah. 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 And yeah, they just look like, like I've seen, actually I've seen ones even worse condition than that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every year, 5,000 people decide to set out on the river adventure. Today, one rafting company employs from 30 to 50 wood raft captains, uh, guides or captains as they call them. Anyone who is 18 years old or over can undergo a short training and become an assistant guide. They say we prepare people interested in the activity both practically and theoretically, said the company. Every guide must also hold a license that allows them to sail small vessels. Low water level and the wind give wood raft guides the most trouble. Still, the adventure is safe. Rafts cannot capsize, which you see those, the size of those. And They're pretty big. They are. Like a barge. Is it, it's almost like a small barge, right, with mm-hmm. the scooped up front yeah. and seats, like benches in them to, yeah. to sit on, right? Uh, when we started, we weren't sure about it. We were also afraid, the company says, an accident can only occur if a passenger leans over the water too much. However, they note it is the guy's responsibility to keep the raft under control at all times. The only unpleasant experience recalled by the company is passengers who interrupt guides' lectures <laughs> on history and natural beauties during the trip. So, yeah, I mean, this is just like a, a big wooden box floating down the yeah, river. Yeah, Right? Um, it's not even logs. It's just... No, it's just a wooden box. Two by twelves. in Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I saw some that weren't all as good as the one you showed me. That's why I was kind of like, I was waiting for like moss to be on the sides. Like they just <laughs> pulled it out of the forest from the long yeah. couple of winters and, and summers, you know, sitting there. And uh, Wood rafting also happens in other parts of Slovakia. In the north, the raftsmen will inspire you by telling you stories about the mountain and different mystic legends. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's happening all through Slovakia. Yeah. Just different spots, and they have different stories and yeah. different histories and sites that you can see. The earliest written records of wood rafting date back to the 11th century. Flourishing as the mountain regions were settled and wood cutting developed into a trade, at the time the Va River was the only suitable for and safe route for the settlements of North Slovakia. Wood rafts were... Um, most important means of transporting freight and passengers until the late 19th and early 20th century when they began to be replaced by railways that could carry everything a lot cheaper. 
rafting. Well, I mean, that's like the one we talked about way back, like seven years ago yeah. in Japan. The rafts, oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The long, the, the narrow, long yeah. narrow rafts that they yeah. go ripping down these yeah. mountain yeah. streams or rivers and they in. Moving. It was and, water practically. Yeah, and they had all the gear and that that we drop off at different yeah. villages along the way, and that fell into disuse because of vehicles. Mm. And now they put handrails and they tell people to stand on it. And <laughs> <boom>. <laughs> Good luck. Hello, health and safety. <laughs> I, I yeah. remember another rafting company we talked about years ago, and it was uh, so you're given a pile of logs. Oh, that's the like, one up in Sweden. Yeah. yeah, and you have to build your own yeah. raft, and then you, you <laughs> the old Huckleberry yeah. Finn uh, exactly. log raft. Exactly. You, so you pitch yeah. a tent on the raft and. Float down the river and <laughs> yeah to their to the finished spot and then they disassemble them yep, let the bring them back by truck yeah bring them back by truck and start again yeah <laughs> rafting significance became primarily from its contribution to both domestic and foreign trading in lumber and other goods and it's had its own guild wood rafting guild oh and the rafters had their own internal hierarchy most important man was the factor or main rafter who led the other men in the raft. He handled the finances and contracting. The Bozeman guided the raft and was the most capable and experienced rafter. So, yeah, because like that that picture you saw there, they Mm -hmm. had two two guys in there, right? Yep. And the steersman stood at the rear of the craft and would be either a less experienced rafter or a beginner. See, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) You got the guys at the size, you know, they're, they're, they're... polling and stuff like that. But the guy that's actually steering it is the newbie. <laughs> How is that right? Well, that's the grunt work. He says he just he's just given directions. So if you're going down the river, okay, we got to go to the right. I want the guy back there that's going to get us <laughs> where we need to go. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds sketchy. Well, the more experienced guys gets to roam around on the raft and and give directions and give orders. I don't know. (laughs) A distinct culture developed as they worked the rafts, characterized by its own sound and verbal artistry, such as rafting songs and sounds. Pretty cool. These floating means of transport were simple and had no hull, with the rafts originally made from wood, logs, beams, or boards. By the turn of the 20th century, lumber and various raw materials were being transported on rafts along most of Slovakia's rivers and traded internally or even along the Danube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, you look at these and it's just... So that's a traditional one. Yeah. Like, the, the, you got a couple of, I don't know, log seats on it? Yep. There's what five logs all put yeah, together, yeah. and you know, I don't know, man. Uh, different types of rafts were used depending on the nature of the river, the wood used to build the raft, as well as how the raft was steered and the river current. Mm-hmm. So that's what I learned <laughs> about this. Yeah, yeah. And then I just, well, what else is looking for info on it? Timber rafting was added to the UNESCO Intangible Cultural Heritage of Humanity in 2022. I didn't even know that was a thing by Uh, UNESCO. That makes five of us. Timber rafting in Austria, Czechia, Germany, Latvia, Poland, and Spain originated in the Middle Ages when rafts were used to transport wood, goods, and people using natural water flows. In the past, rafters traveling to remote destinations spent weeks living and working together on their raft. As a result, a community sharing the knowledge, skills, techniques, and values of making and navigating timber rafts emerged. Pretty cool. Right? There's this whole community that's all of a sudden, and they are all living on the river. Mm -hmm. Tradition has been cultivated for generations and remains strong thanks to continuous oral communication, observation, and participation including through youth camps, local schools, festivals, and workshops. Yeah, there was one uh, festival, there's uh, this festival that they're doing, and it's all about building and, and the whole meal deal of these things. Measuring up to 600 meters long, 50 what? meters wide, 2 meters high, today timber rafts are mainly used for navigating rivers. Yeah, these are some big ones. 
However, the building process remains the same mm-hmm. and includes selecting the wood, transporting it to the river, and connecting it, connecting the trunks to form rafts. Timber rafting fosters collaboration and social cohesion within and among participating communities and is now open to practitioners of all ages, genders, and social and cultural backgrounds. So it's still going. Yes. Oh, yes. Right? I mean, these things are huge. The protection of water and ecological systems and the sustainable use of wood are deeply rooted in the practice, and the regular and lively experience sharing enriches the heritage and promotes common values and cultural exchange across borders. Some of these things we discover, it's like, man, I got to start trying them out. I remember one year when we lived out in Alberta, everything flooded in the spring. And there was a local park we used to go to. Yeah. We tipped upside down one of the picnic tables, got a couple of branches, and we rafted around the park <laughs> in a couple of feet of water. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe we are starting some sort of newfangled <laughs> community that we could still be doing today, yes, 50 yes. years later. Yep. <laughs> or, well, Running years picnic later, tables down rapids. Right? Picnic table <laughs> runners of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like that thing <laughs> but yeah no i i, I like i say I, I saw the thing on the the wood rafts and i'm mm-hmm. thinking well that's kind of sketchy and the further went in it's like whole cultural thing. thing yeah all through the the i mean not just we the thing i was talking about with slovakia but like i say germany Czechia, Nat- yes. austria latvia poland like well, apparently it's a thing yeah and it makes sense like so back in the day we didn't like the 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 market, getting stuff to market, stuff like that back in the day. That's why they built the, the Trent Severn Canal. That's why they built canals everywhere that you, you go. It's like back then when it was much, much more difficult to build roads and horse, mm-hmm. horses and carriages couldn't really haul that much stuff. So you put all your goods on a, on a, on a barge, on a raft or whatever, and, yep. and take it through the Trent Severn or whatever. So it, it makes sense. It's a, it was a cheap and easy method of travel to get goods to market. Well, and look at log, logging. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They'd build up the logging rafts and then send them, you know, put a dam there and then yeah. a sluice. And then, and then sp- open that and just Ooh. shoot all the yeah. water was good for transport. Mm-hmm. So, but now you can go there and. Get hauled around on one of these and get a little history as a lesson thing, yeah, as a exactly. tourist thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool though. Really, it is. is fascinating. Yeah. So next time you're over there, yeah. Next time I'm in Slovakia, so um, I get there often. <laughs> stranger things have happened. <laughs> you're going to sit there one day in Slovakia, going, "I can't." Damn. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to go do a raft trip. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, last week we just briefly mentioned the Mississippi speed record. Uh, yes. Um, so, the, yeah, Team Mississippi speed record. And they're doing quite well. So, I, I don't know. Something was goofy when we talked about it last week. It just didn't sound right. They, were, we, they ended up being like two behind. days. Started two days ahead, and the next thing you know, they're two days behind. So, yeah. they lost four days somewhere along. doesn't make sense. Anyway, whatever. We probably, there was arithmetic involved. We read it wrong or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, they launched May 12th. The record is 17 days, 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Done in 2021. Uh, so Monday, like a few days ago, the team was 29 hours ahead of the record. That's pretty good. So they were two days ahead, lost four days, gained, gained, <laughs> gained three, <laughs> five days, 50 people, a horse in a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they're ahead of the record now. Yes. There are projected locations, if I'm reading this right. On day 14, they were to go through Memphis. But on day 13, they were already south of Memphis. Yes, they've already passed. So they're, they're, they're that much ahead. Yeah. There is a bit of controversy, though, with the Mississippi speed record team. I don't think so, but in yeah. my opinion, it's wrong. They say there was help from a support boat. So they arrived at a lock at night. Mm-hmm. And there was a tugboat just coming out and the tugboat pilot said uh you guys steer clear i'm coming through get out of the way and i guess they were trying to get out of the way and the current was quite strong they were having a problem staying yes where they were and it started moving them down towards the dam 
Which would be a bad idea. Which would be a bad thing for their health. Uh, so the support boat, I guess, grabbed them and pulled them backwards. So they didn't gain any advantage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it was a sa- purely a safety issue. Yeah. And so they're not being advanced. They're being pulled back in the yeah. direction they came from. They're not being pushed into the into the lock. They're being pulled away from the lock. Mm-hmm. So it's it was just it was a safety thing. But it has there's no advantage. Yeah. The the fast current would have taken them over the dam, so they didn't benefit from the assistance. Nothing. It was all pure safety. So the guy who holds the record, the current record, yes, says this should be a disqualification. Yeah, of course he's going to say that. He's going to say he that. wants his record to stay standing. Funny thing is, the previous record holder, who this guy's broke the record, yeah. says, "Nah, they shouldn't be." <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't have so, a record anymore. Right, I don't have a record, so screw you, buddy. <laughs> uh, he says, "Yeah, he says it shouldn't be a disqualification." Which I, I got to agree with that. You know, it, yes. it was purely a safety thing. I concur. And he says it will be Guinness that decides whether it's going to be a record or not. Right? The mm-hmm. Guinness World Book of Records people. Uh, he says. It is just part of the terrain with any record or attempt or record. Guinness is just Guinness, and that does not hold a lot of merit in the sports community. <laughs> I love that statement. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> if they say it's not a record, it's not yeah. whatever. We're not it talking makes, about the Olympics here. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a Guinness thing. You know, so um, if they want to say that this, you know, because he pulled you backwards disqualifies you, but at the end of the day, they still get down there in a record time. Mm-hmm. I think as far as anybody's concerned, they've got the record. Yes, right? absolutely. So. Oh, the continuing yes, story. Yes. That's just sour grapes on the current record holder. Hey, do you remember Sesame Street? Yes. Do you remember that time one of the monsters was talking to this little kid, John John, mm-hmm. doing this numbers 1 to 20? Yes. He kept making jokes? No, he like he's saying, 13! Yes, I remember that. Oh, that yeah. So a, a little clip was going around, and I don't know why this is just <laughs> reminding me of this, but a little a clip is going around, and they did a thing with him, I don't know if it was recent or what it was, but he's like uh, in the military, okay. he's full they don't call him John John anymore, <laughs> you know, the whole and they're just sitting there looking at it like, man, I'm old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, I think they'll still call this thing a record, no matter if 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 he doesn't, they do it in under seventeen days, twenty hours. Oh yeah. Which, like I say, if they're twenty nine hours ahead, something mm-hmm. drastic. Now they do say they're being helped by high water and fast currents. <laughs> so yeah, current record holder is going to. Mother Nature that. is giving them a hey, hand. Yeah, they should be disqualified. <laughs> yeah. Water's too high. And that, I mean, that's that's a thing with things like this. Like when we did the Brent Run. Yeah. You know, we did it in June at high water. Yeah. There was a full moon, and it was strategically planned. It, it was strategically planned. We should have beat that. Right, mm-hmm. wind showed up. Whatever. Yeah. But had it been perfect. Yeah. Like no win. Yeah. We would have hammered that record. Yeah. But the guys that held the record, well, what if it wasn't June? What if it wasn't a full moon? What if they had wind? Uh uh-huh. would we still count as a record? Hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing like this. Like, you know, the pe- previous record holders, are they gonna complain because yeah. well we didn't have fast uh, currents yeah. in high water? Yeah, high water. Disqualified. Disqualified, yeah. And it was a time (laughs) of day, and uh, their canoe was painted different. Yeah. yeah. Is what it is. I got other fish to fry. (laughs) Uh, Last thing here. You sent this this one. funny. It's funny and shocking at the same time. It's like, what is going on here? I couldn't believe it when you sent me this and go like, no, come on. But And apparently there's been other incidents w- around the world like this. Oh, not, yeah? Not as bad as this. Yes. <laughs> so, a few tourists in India were caught on camera creating a ruckus and getting violent while river rafting in the midst of the Ganges. The incident was reported online by journalists who tweeted the footage and hinted at the water sports competition turned ugly. Now, I don't know why they call it a competition. Isn't it just... Yeah, just I think there was a lot of um, 
um, translation issues. Yeah, maybe. Here. Yes, yes. So I'm just using the words that they were using. But, yeah, yeah I, I don't think it was a competition. I think it was a bunch of rafts going down the river. There was multiple rafts filled with people yeah. going down some white water and stuff like that. The video has now gone viral on the Internet, and it records the words of a man yelling aggressively at other participants in the river race. He rudely challenges and questions how how could anyone else win the competition? And then hitting the boat says, park that boat aside, will you? Will you sink or defeat us? I, I, I don't understand that part, but he has heard saying the video. Now, all the videos I watched, I didn't hear anybody because all the videos that I saw was loud noises, but I couldn't yeah. understand any words. Mm-hmm. So. Meanwhile, some um, guides tried taking control over the situation and asked people to be seated in order to proceed safely and peacefully. Well, I didn't see any of that in that video. Nope. Two teams sitting in different rafts attacked each other with a rafting paddle while they were moving. The exact details of why the brawl broke out is unknown so far. I didn't see that either. If you watch the video. Yes. It looks like two guys from the same boat are attacking three people at the front of the boat. Yes. And they're not just like hitting with the rep, they're, they're using these things like baseball bats. Yes, two-handed swing of the paddle, right, <laughs> right to the guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then another one guy jumps for her, and he's punching somebody in the back of the yeah, skull. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, what? kind of <laughs> new extreme sports going to the Olympics is this? Full contact right? rafting. Full contact <laughs> rafting. That's what I'm saying. Raft boxing. Right? There you go. Yeah, you got two rafts going down. Yeah. It's like a pirate thing going. You jump out on the other raft and you start a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Last raft standing, crossing the finish line with the most people still on board wins. <laughs> raft rage. Right? Uh, although the team members were wearing life jackets, important, angry participants risked their lives during the fight and jumped off the boats to escape attack and being <laughs> beaten away. with the paddles. <laughs> Reportedly... No complaint was registered in this regard. However, after taking note of the incident, police said it was dangerous fighting. We're probing the case. Yes. They're holding these paddles like baseball yes. bats and swinging them <laughs> at people's heads. It was quite violent. It was, right? it was like, what's going on? But like this, the guy that got hit in the head, he had a helmet on. Yeah. But still. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's getting a couple you can see of he was cowering in a hand up next yeah. to his head. So his he jumped himself. overboard. Yeah. There, they did show one of the guys from the other raft had had like the, their raft bumped into the other raft, and his dude was about to whack somebody again. He reached out to grab that paddle from yeah. him. <laughs> but yeah, it looked like there was two guys. I'm wondering if it was like one family in that raft, <laughs> and Dad just had enough. Just- <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Don't make me come Stop back there. asking me how much farther till we get I there. will turn this raft around right now. <laughs> Dad just snapped. That's why no one reported it. Yes, it's just a, it's a family. It's a family, and everybody's like, oh, my God. So I was on this rafting trip in this one family. Oh, jeez. Someone trying to piss Dad off. They're trying to take each other's heads off. There was a knife fight in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what they say happened when you watched that video a few times. Yeah, you realize, realize it wasn't all the rafts involved. Did you see more than one camera angle? Or was there just one? I've just seen filming? the one video yeah, over I, I and see over any other and over angles. and over. But all the violence was in one boat. Yes. Yeah. Right. That one raft had all the, yeah. the, the, the fight and going on. By the end of it, there's only like. Two people left in the raft, a whole bunch of heads bobbing well, yeah, in the there water. Was, yeah, there was the one person at the front still cowering who got yeah. punched. <laughs> and then the the two guys, the puncher, yeah. the punchy, yeah. and the, the swinger. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> the paddle swinger guy. Clear the boat! Clear right? the boat! <laughs> uh, yeah. This is it. Wow. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just watched that. I'm what? like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> Wowzers, Batman. That was, yeah. So if you're going on a river trip on the Ganges in India, you might want to... Keep an eye on your, uh, on your partners in the raft. And there, there's comments being made. Yeah, see, this is what happens when the tourists come to this area. They ruin it for everybody. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's some hot. There was some hot tempers going on there. There's got to be more. Cause all those people. There's more there to like, that story. It was like a six or seven rafts filled with people. Yeah. To say there's only one person taking video of this. I know. There's got to be more. There's got to be. There's got to be more <laughs> video surfing. Yeah. If anybody sees this, and f- from different angles, let yes, us know. Let us know. Let us know I because see some I want to see it from different angles. And let you know. I mean, like I say, we just maybe saw the very end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe there was a couple extra in other other boats, but yeah. the videos that I I just the only video I saw from about twenty different sources was the exact same yeah. video. <laughs> So I, yeah. Next on extreme sports, <laughs> it's like right out of the WWE, right? It's right? like what is going on? Somebody breaks out a chair and starts hammering <laughs> a flurry to the solar plexus, left and right, sucker punch. <laughs> How do you like me now? <laughs> is that let's go rafting enough for you? I don't know, dude. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <sighs> so, yeah, well, <laughs> I have to keep my eyes open. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can post that uh, on our, yeah, yeah, our Facebook yeah. page and stuff as well and so people can take a look at it and make up their own minds whether mm-hmm. it was just that one, <laughs> dad lost it, or <laughs> lost it, or there was something else going on that, that we just totally missing. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not something to laugh at, really, but, you know. Just watching it, just like I, I can't believe that's <laughs> happened. You're, you're, you're out having a doing a fun activity. It's it's not like somebody. Hey, that raft cut me off in the river, right? <laughs> raft rage, roller coaster rage, <laughs> fights on a roller coaster as it's going. Yes, <laughs> oh, big suits or something to protect them. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. Oh, some of these things are just yeah. <laughs> Astronomically <laughs> funny, but not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all you got? Mm-hmm. When are you going out uh, on the river next? Or the lakes or the wherever? Uh, June. Late June. Mid-June. Mid-June? Mid-June. I can't remember. Mid-June. Oh, yes. Mid- <gasps> Mid-June. Oh, yeah. It's around the 20th, isn't it? Uh, no, uh, a few days before that. Yeah? Yeah. So there you go. Mid, mid to late. I, th- I think uh, chances are we'll see each other out there. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Unless we're doing it blindfolded. <laughs> All righty. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get out there uh, maybe this weekend somewhere. Mm-hmm. Get Athena back into the boat somewhere and see what's yeah. happening. But anyway, uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. There's a 379 of them now. Oof, yeah. And close to 400. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>